Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. As promised, every Thursday we're going to talk Yay! prospects. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to make that a thing. I'll stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were going to make that a thing. Yay! Uh, it's John Manuel and J.J. Cooper with your weekly Thursday Baseball America podcast. Uh, very happy to have SeatGeek aboard as a sponsor. We'll tell you a little bit more about SeatGeek coming up. But in this podcast, JJ and I are going to pick up where we left off about three weeks ago before lots of things intervened and wrap up our organization talent rankings discussion. We got through the top 10 or talent rankings for those of you scoring at home. That was the Dodgers, Astros, Braves, Red Sox, Nats, Rockies, Rangers, Phillies, Brewers, and Twins. And JJ, just diving right back into it uh, with the org talent rankings, you and I seem to agree that right around 13, that first group of 13, I wouldn't say there's a cliff, but there is a dividing line, and that 13 is maybe closer to 5 or 6 than 26 is close to 13. I mean, like, oh, there's would, a pretty, or even 15 is close to 13. I was going to say, I was going to say, if you told me the Pittsburgh Pirates are 11th team. If you want to lay out the argument for the Pittsburgh Pirates to be 7 or 8 on this yeah. list, I will entertain that. Or the Rays at 13. If you want to have the Rays and you say, you know, I really believe in the Rays' depth. I believe in Blake Snell's star power. I like them better than the Rangers. You know what? And the Rangers are at 7. I'd hear that argument. Right. I, think you I would say you're wrong because I would say, you know, the Bizarra, the Gallup, there's too much. Hitters over too, pitchers. Too much top-end guys. But that's the discussion. Yeah. At the same time, the Mets, yes, I like Stephen Matz, but the Mets at 15, if you try to make the argument the Mets over the Reds who are 12, I'd be like, no, no, no. I, I don't see there really being a case for the Mets to be at 12 just ahead of the, you know, from 15. Right. No, I agree. Or even or the Rays. So let's let's talk about the, those three teams together, the Pirates, Reds, and Rays. And it's easier to group the Pirates and Reds together, JJ, because they're in the same division. And... Well, you know, the, the Pirates are organization of the year in 2015. Um, looking forward to being there on opening day to present the chalice with the palace. Uh, the chalice with the, yeah, the chalice and the palace. I can't remember the Danny Kay anymore. It's been a long time since I watched that movie. Um, but I'm going to give them their organization of the year trophy one more time, and uh, that's going to be a blast to be at uh, PNC uh, for opening day. But the Pirates feel like they need their farm system right now to keep them at the top of this very turbulent, very good National League Central, whereas the Reds, a devastating, they, they, they're not even worried about 2016. Like their worry for 2016 is we pick second. This is the first time we picked second since we dropped Kurt Stillwell. We want to get that pick right. We want to get get it right with this bonus pool. Our international, I'm not sure they want to get it right with their international bonus pool. That's a that's a whole other podcast. Um, I think they do. We have not heard that signing. They're going to go big. I think now they're going to go big. Um, but that's the Reds' biggest concern of 2016. Um, and the difference, I guess, between these two organizations for me, in terms of org talent rankings, is I like the Pirates' balance a little bit better than the Reds. Um, is that why? You, did you have the Pirates over the Reds? No, or? I think I was the high man on the Reds. Because I just think that the Reds, 
I don't want to call it pitching depth because pitching depth sounds like you've got a lot of guys. Right. Pitching depth is like, oh, pat you on the head. Oh, you've got a lot of pitchers who, who could pitch it as does a fifth almost, starter. It can be said pejoratively. But, I think you're right. But, but that's I don't not mean, mean that with the Reds. With the Reds, I mean what I say by pitching depth is, is that I'm not promising you that Robert Stevenson or Cody Reed or Amir Garrett or Nick Travieso or Curie Mella or – and I can just keep going. Yeah. I'm not promising you – any one of those guys is going to be a star. But I do know that if I keep going on guy after guy after guy, Sal Romano, you know, again, John Lamb's not going to be a star, but he can be a solid big leaguer. All these guys, I think that some of them, at least one or two, are going to end up being kind of impact guys. And then you throw in uh, the position players, it's not as deep, but you throw in a Jesse Winker, you throw in. The great so, Blandino. Alex Blandino, who should be a very productive big leaguer. Alex Blandino, to me, uh, to, to, to a strange, you know, one is, is he's where Christian Arroyo was, you know, like they're, they're not, there's not, Christian Arroyo is a top 100 guy. There's not a massive difference between those two guys. Right. I agree. I, 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 Arroyo to me has a little bit more star potential. I mean, he's, has he's, a little bit of that it he's factor. He's younger and he's, he's at the same level, basically. Right. And he does have, it's a little intangible, but Christian Arroyo, he's, he's like a perfect giant, to be quite honest with mm-hmm. you, where he's going to perform right over his tools. I don't know he's going to play tools. for them anytime soon, but, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like him. I don't know how he got on the Giants. But I do, but, I, I like Alex Plandino. I think he's going to be a solid regular. I think he could wind up being a more much more productive hitter than Brandon Phillips. He'll probably give back a little defense. But if he's the second baseman who replaces Brandon Phillips... He's gonna be like the. He'll do it the exact opposite way. He'll probably do it in a way that's more amenable to the Brennemans, you know. Uh, certainly less flashy, uh, more grindery. But I like him as a potential offensive second and, baseman. But I do think you look at them, and they are they are a team. I mean, they should be. They're rebuilding. You know, we didn't even mention Jose Peraza there, who should help them at the big league level at some point right. this year. They brought in Eric Jagaila. They've added rookie Davis. You know, in. In a, to be honest, underwhelming uh, return that they got for Aroldis Chapman because of, when they, so. because of when they traded him. Yep. Um, but you compare that to the Pirates, and John, the, I'll ask you, the thing that stands out with the Pirates, you said they need help soon because they're, got, they're trying to keep up mm-hmm. in an, an incredibly brutal division. I mean, the Cubs just like, okay, we'll sign him, and we'll sign him. We're really young, and now we're really veteran and all, you know, yeah. and experienced too. But, and the Cardinals are the Cardinals. But that being said, the Pirates, what stands out about them is, is, and they have guys. They've got a lot of guys at the top of their list who could pitch, could play positionally in the big leagues in 2016. That's exactly what stands out about them, and that's why I like where they're ranked. And I think I may even have had them a little bit higher. If Tyler Glasnow is not ready to help this year in their big league rotation, then I think Jamison Tyone could be. Um, if uh, Austin Meadows doesn't have a spot in their big league outfield, which he doesn't. Uh, That said, I love Gregory Polanco. He hasn't exactly locked down right field yet. But if he if if he doesn't... The second half at that last year, that end of the year He got better. But if... I mean, he's their guy for 2016. But if he's still kind of finding his way by 2017, would it surprise me if Austin Meadows or Harold Ramirez challenged him in right field? No. Or Josh Bell. Or Josh Bell. who, who, Who... they're cramming, you know, they're trying to learn to teach him first base. Right now, the outfield's still a better spot for him. It's a better spot for him. He's better at playing outfield than he is at playing first base. From an opportunity standpoint, I think he needs to buckle down on the first base part of it. 
But I love their the difference between their system and the Reds system. The meanwhile, the Reds certainly have more impact arms. So I won't use the word depth. Mm-hmm. The Reds have more impact arms, a lot more impact bats, and a lot more athletes with the Pirates. And I really like the athleticism of the Pirates organization. I'm intrigued by some of their quote unquote depth guys. You know, I like their left handers. I like Stephen Tarpley. I like Stephen Bro Bro Bro. I like he's a great singer. Unpronounceable last name for us, apparently. I like that they have like X Factor guys further down their talent, like Max Maroff and uh, Chad Cool, like Chad Cool, like this extra heavy ground ball tendencies in the minor leagues. Like, I don't think he's an impact future starter, but it wouldn't shock me if he went up like as a fourth or fifth and, starter for them. And, and they have lots and lots of shorts. And we're not, that's not even talking about the, like the, the next wave of guys for them, you know. Yeah. I mean, Brian Hayes. Brian Hayes, Newman. Cole Tucker, who. Looks like he'll be back at some point, you know, maybe a little quicker in 16 than maybe we, you know, we yeah. were feared earlier. You know, again, and then they went last year. I, again, Kevin Newman, um, th- he's a guy who could be a very solid big leaguer right. at some we, point in the not-too-distant future. He is a controversial player because there are other rate, rate, ratings, rankings, Keith Law specifically among them at ESPN.com, who has Kevin Newman ranked a lot higher. Just respectfully disagree. It's not personal toward Keith or toward Kevin Newman. He was a player who was very uh, controversial last year in reporting on the draft, J.J. Some scouts saw him the same way Keith saw him. Some scouts see him as a surefire shortstop. Some scouts see him as a plus runner. Other guys see him as an above-average runner. Some guys see him as a great future hitter, a guy who's going to be a 6, maybe even a 65 future hitter. Others see the fact that he got pitched to inside aggressively for two years in a row in the Pac-12, he had a sub-700 OPS in the league against the coaches who knew him. They knew how to pitch to him, and they, they pitched to him extremely effectively. So, for me, the track record of Cape Cod League batting champions is awful. There are like two of them, Stephen Piscotti, and who was the other one? In this century, there are two of Cape Cod League batting champions who have been useful big leaguers. So, winning the Cape Cod League batting, in last year's batting champion, Andrew Calica, was a draft-eligible junior who was not, and who was a 12th round pick at a high school. So not a guy who came out of nowhere, who wasn't signed as a free agent. He wasn't even drafted as a junior. He was available. Nobody took him. That doesn't happen to great Cape players. So, so the point is, winning a Cape Cod League batting championship, even two years in a row, is not proof that you're going to be a great big league hitter. So I like Kevin Newman. We both like him. He got a 50 medium grade in the book. Very few draft guys get medium grades, J.J., I think he's a very safe bet to be a big leaguer. I, I think the weight of the scouts that we've talked to is more on solid player, less on impact big leaguer. If we like Kevin Newman better, the Pirates probably be a top 10 farm system, but you know, he didn't make our top 100. I, I do like Cabrian Hayes. I liked their 2015 draft class. So it's actually another reason why. But to me, Tucker, Newman, even Gift Negepi, Max Maroff, they have depth. Kevin Kramer, who I think is going to move to third base, they have nice middle infield mm-hmm. depth as well. So there's a lot of things to like about the Pirate system. There wasn't that one guy to love in the Pirate system for me because I think we both have our doubts about whether Glasnow... I, I love Glasnow. He could be a very impactful starter or a very impactful reliever, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of... Ifs there, he's a very unique player. He is a guy who there is a little bit more variance. There's a little bit more risk just because he's such a big guy and... You kind of the question is is I mean I'm working on a story for this issue about guys who have shaky control in the minors who you know how how often do those guys become 
solid control in the big leagues. And Glasnow's a guy who's always had shaky control. It hasn't mattered because if no one hits on you... Yeah, he's just so hard to hit. Right. It, it's basically, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, you're talking about, in, in the end, it's all the same bucket in some ways, which is, is that, okay, right. if this guy gives up eight hits per nine and walks one, and you give up five hits per nine and walk three... Well, you're let you're you're giving up less base runners, and not only that, but if you give up five hits per nine, that's less balls that are being struck solidly right. than the guy who gives up eight hits per nine. That, There's more that, doubles and triples and homers than there is in the guy. Again, there are not many guys who can succeed at the big league level walking three and a half, four per nine on a regular basis. Tyler Glasnow may be one of the guys who can simply because he's so hard to hit. That that has been so consistent throughout his career. I what can't just miss minor league average. I mean, it's, it's under two hundred. I, I I know one eighty one. I believe. Yeah, I think we looked this up in a previous podcast, so it definitely is ground we've covered. But I mean, it's just so consistent for him. He, this is not something he did at lower levels, but it got better at higher levels or anything like that. You know, no one has hit him, <laughs> and no one. And, and it's not as they haven't hit him. No one hits him hard. It's one seventy one. So it was two twenty. In Triple A, in eight starts, so I'm not sure how much he's going to help them in 2016. I do put a lot of faith in the Pirates' pitcher development so, at the big league level, especially. The Ray Searidge is a is a is a master of his craft. That that gets us to 13. We're rolling along here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 13 is the Rays, and I, I do think with the Rays, I mean, it starts with Blake Snell. This right. is it's not just Blake Snell, but it very much starts with. There are the thing that starts that jumps out about 13, 14, 15 on this list is each one of those has a top end pitcher, which is part of the reason that they rank 13, 14, 15. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important here for them. But Snell is a guy who we expect to see make an impact at the big league level in 2016 at some point. Seems like there's a kind of an opportunity for him. But it's not just him. Brent Honeywell is a guy who I think we both feel pretty comfortable about making an impact. Probably 2017, but yeah, I like he's the next guy. Yeah, I like him a lot. Taylor Guerrero is... I, I'm more convicted in Brent Honeywell, but Taylor Guerrero is still a, a very solid prospect as well. We we are Jake Bowers fans. Yeah, we are Jake Bowers fans. I'm a Willie Adames fan. You know, uh, he does strike out a decent amount. He's also 19 and was in the Florida State League last year and had an elbow injury that he played through until August. Um, they have... Impact. They have a lot of depth. You know, they have this X factor for me and Garrett Whitley. You know, uh, I thought it was. I thought where they got him in the draft was outstanding. You know, they got the guy who was legitimately legitimately looked at and evaluated by the Diamondbacks for the number one pick in the draft. Was legitimately evaluated by the Rockies for the number three pick in the draft. I mean, you don't send the general manager to go see a guy for the twenty seventh pick. You send him for the third pick. You know, so um, it just so happened that they wound up getting. Guys, they evaluated it for both picks at 3 and 27 because they were thinking about Mike Nickerack at 3, and they got him at 27. And if you redid the draft right now, you might get him at 57, you know, so um, just how the draft goes. Um, but I, I, I like uh, I like Tampa's draft from last year. Um, and it just kind of seems like this is always how it happens, J.J., where a lot of times the scouting director's last draft is his best one. And I'm looking at Eddie Bain. I'm thinking about uh, one of the years with the White Sox uh, with Doug Lauman. When he was replaced for two years, his last draft before they replaced him was the Gordon Beckham draft, which was their best one in a while. One of those drafts in there for, for him. So 
might happen for R.J. Harrison, too. You know, we criticized the Rays drafts for several years with good reason. Um, they weren't as productive as they needed to be uh, in the draft as an organization. I think R.J.'s last draft uh, before he became a special assistant last, last offseason uh, may wind up to be a very good one. So I, I like Tampa Bay. Uh, the next before, group, hold on. Before yeah, we go ahead. that, I do want to talk about you know our our, our sponsor SeatGeek. Absolutely. I, and, and I do want to ask you: Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell concert tickets. I'm not just reading this off piece of paper. Okay, I read that off piece of paper, but <laughs> I'm a procrastinator. John, you know this because you also at times we're both see, procrastinators. We're both procrastinators. But so I kind of uh, screwed up by being a procrastinator because my wife had mentioned, hey, Alton Brown, the cooking guy, the good eats guy on food, used to be on Food Network. He's cutthroat kitchen guy on Food Network now. Okay. He's coming to DPAC, the Durham Performing Arts uh, Center, in, uh, in April. And when that was announced, my wife mentioned, hey, that'd probably be fun for us to go to that, you know, go to see Alton Brown at DPAC. I didn't get tickets because that's me. I, I mean, <laughs> that was months ahead, you know, oh. <laughs> And so the problem with that is, is that you turn around, it's like, hey, have you gotten tickets to Alton Brown? And I have not. But the SeatGeek app has fixed my problem because I love the fact that not only do they have tickets available for Alton Brown, saving my butt, but also they even tell you like, hey, this is a good buy. This is a okay buy. And, you know, this one, yeah, that's not a great buy here. I love how they do that. It makes it very easy to do it. We do want to remind you with that, that... If you do it with now listening to the Baseball America podcast, if you get the SeatGeek app, download it, and then enter in the promo code BA20. There's a settings tab. You add in a promo code. You'll get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. And trust me when I say I'll be getting $20 back on the uh, purchase of Alton <laughs> Brown tickets. So they've taken all the hassle of shopping for tickets. They put all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you can save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games or Alton Brown uh, appearances. And SeatGeek will let you know if the ticket prices fall, which is also very useful. So we, if you're listening to this, go download the SeatGeek app. And remember to enter the promo code BA20 so you can get your $20 off your rebate on your first purchase. I know my brother did the other day and uh, wound up sitting like he was uh, close enough at the Watch the Wizards game that he went to in D.C. that uh, my nephew, former BA intern for two weeks, yep. and Floyd Mayweather were giving each other the stink eye. So... <laughs> That was his Seat Geek story. So if you have yours, send them in to us. Podcast at baseballamerica.com is the email address. Tweet at us at jjcoop36 for JJ, at John Manuel BA for me. Uh, JJ, we have three large market teams. I know you don't think of the Cardinals as a large market market. team. They're a large revenue team. They're a large. They're a large rev, yeah. yeah they're a large, large market because their market stretches the whole Midwest far beyond St. Louis. When I was working and living in Tennessee. Clarksville, Tennessee was kind of Cardinals country. I mean, that's a long way from St. Louis, although I did drive it for a game. (laughs) Nice. Um, But the Cardinals at 14, the Mets at 15, the Jonkies at 16. Uh, JJ, the Cardinals, for me, could be a top 10 system again, but I think we need to wait for some returns on their 2015 draft class, which I like. And their international guys. And their international guys. They are, to me, them and the Cubs, who are at 20, I did both top 30s. Now you help me report the Cardinals, which I appreciate. Both those top 30s are similar to me, and that they are both candidates to be big movers in our 2017 rankings. But to concentrate all their talent, their high ceiling talent, for the most part, in both organizations, is at the short season levels. 
Now, obviously, there are exceptions. Alex Reyes, Claver Torres. There are exceptions. Um, but right. I see the I see the Cardinals as having, I think, maybe a little bit more impact talent than the Cubs do, uh, and a little bit more than the Mets or the Yankees with less close to the majors talent. I would throw in also where I think that there's a difference between, say, like the Cubs and the Cardinals is, is that you look at the Cardinals right now, and they've got guys who are, I mean, when we say they got good pitching depth, They've got guys who fit more of that pejorative term of it. Tim Cooney right. is not going to be an ace. I right. would say I would say it's unlikely. But That's Tim fair Cooney, to say. You know, Tim Cooney, Jack Flaherty, Luke Weaver. These are guys who should be Marco Gonzalez. These are all guys who should be productive in some manner. Right. That's a lot of guys who have a chance to be either solid relievers or number four slash five starters. I know you might like Jack Flaherty a little bit more than that, even maybe. Um, I like I, Jack Flaherty. I'm high on Jack Flaherty. I believe in the athlete. I believe in the changeup, and I believe in the Cardinals' ability to bring it out of it. But you go past that, and then you get to the guys like Magnus Sierra, who is high ceiling, high tool, you know, heavy tools. It's everything, but you want to see him have success beyond the Appy League before you buy in. Especially, he was over his head, but it was a pretty bad Midwest League first start yes. before he went and dominated. It's Junior Fernandez, who, I mean, you want to talk about fascinating arms, non-Anderson Espinosa division. Very fascinating much so. Arm. Fascinating Very much arm. so. You know, it's, it's guys like that, and then you mix but in. Their, uh, international, their international group is really an interesting group of players because, um, you know, this was an organization that felt like they'd fallen behind. We both just read the Howard Megdahl book, and it's a good, some book. Inter- it's a good book, interesting insight into how the Cardinals were an organization that really felt they'd fallen behind and kind of how important... Oscar Tavares was to them, and then Carlos Martinez. If you're an organization that feels like you were behind at something, and then you come up with Oscar Tavares and Carlos Martinez, that's how you catch up. You caught up. You caught up with impact bat, impact arm. Obviously, it's a tra- it's a shame, a tragedy, an actual tragedy about what happened to Oscar Tavares. Um, and I, you know, as baseball fans, we're all the ones who are going to miss out. He's in the Nick Aidenhart category. We'll never know what that talent could have been like in an extended period of the major leagues. And it's just, as a baseball fan, it just, you know, just hurt, it hurts it, in but, that regard. But Carlos they, Martinez, pretty good. So what they're doing and the way they've applied it in Latin America internationally, I believe and I have faith in those guys. I just want to see them do a little bit at the, in a full season level. On the flip and side. Reyes is the next thing. Back. On the flip side, the other part of what they've done, though, is that you look at Harrison Bader and yep. Walter Young, and those are two guys who – are very much what the Cardinals do over and over, which is draft the college bat who there's carries some defensive questions with them and then teach up, coach up the defense. Right. If I'll put it this way, if Harrison Bader was Absolutely drafted right. by another team, I would have more concerns about whether he could play center field. And Paul DeYoung for third base. Absolutely. Paul DeYoung, who was a guy who, you know, played catcher, second base, third base, right field at Illinois State. Um you know, hey, maybe he winds up being a right-handed utility bat. Maybe he's in that Ryan Roberts, Ryan Rayburn kind of phylum of players. Um, but he I think be, he, he, he could hit his better. way to be a regular third baseman. Mm-hmm. And, hey, who's the organization that's really good at taking these? The, he fits the Alan Craig, Matt Carpenter, that phylum of college position player who had some checkered injury history. He fits that to a T. So he was a guy where just I remember talking with Derek Gold, JJ, talking with the uh, with Derek, when we did the list, I think if Derek had done our Cardinals top ten, he would have had Paul DeYoung in the ten. He would have wanted to run him up. I think my original iteration had it too, and I was like, oh, we can't do that. 
Couldn't or, quite. Could, it was not, a bridge, yet, not yet. It was a bridge too far for me. But, the, but let's talk about the big Apple teams. Mets that, and I was going to say the, the Mets. And now the Mets, you know, you, you look A couple here. with more hits than the Braves and the Yankees. Now, do remember, we actually do not have the Mets. It's, it is, to just clarify. Oh, it's Mets, Indians, Yankees. Yankees. I'm sorry. Yes, because we did tweak after the uh, Rolls Chapman trade. You told me that twice before the show started, and I have barely That's what I'm here you. for, you know. <laughs> but looking at the Mets, I mean, obviously, again, the Mets start with you have a high-impact arm, Stephen Matz, who's already made an impact. If Stephen Matz didn't do anything else, he's already been a, a, a very successful second-round pick. And what a great success story for the Mets. Uh, 2009, top draft pick. They waited a, a while. Second round. Yeah, and he didn't play for two years. Um, I believe Three. he was... Was he, was he, he Rudy Tarasas draft? 2009? That, I think, would have been, yeah. I think he was. I'll have to look that up. But that... That uh, there was a stretch there, where the Braves—I mean, where the Braves, where the Mets pitching draft, where they got Mats, and then the next year Harvey and Degrom. That's two pretty good years of drafts. I mean, that's really yeah. impressive. I mean, that 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 that's gonna that that could one day be the kind where we're gonna looking at that the way we look at the uh, the Giants where they got Lincecum in 06 and Bumgarner in 07. The Mets are close to that already, if not surpassing it with Degrom and, and Harvey. I mean, it's sick to bring, and then if you throw Mats into it, and he develops into a legitimate mid-rotation arm, that's pretty sick. No, oh, it is. And the other, uh, you have to say, the other part of depth for the uh, for the Mets is shortstops. Yeah, yep. uh, which is good because if you said, okay, what are some of the problems that the Mets have had? It's been middle infielders who can catch the ball and range <laughs> right. further than a, a step to either side. Do we think Ahmed Rosario has star potential, JJ, or do you think he has? Good potential, like good everyday regular. Or do you think he has a chance to be a star? It really depends on what you're defining as a star. Like I'm okay. saying, like a guy who makes some all-star teams from time to time. You know, like, like to me, he's like. Alcides Escobar made the all-star team last year, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So then, by that definition, <clears throat> yes. Do I think he could be better than Alcides Escobar? I think there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. 2009 was a Rudy Tarasas draft, and let's give Rudy T some props. So was 2010. So for a guy who I believe is in their pro scouting department right now, I mean, <laughs> that's, again, we talked about earlier, sometimes your last draft is your best draft, Rudy T. <laughs> Jacob DeGrom in the ninth round and Matt Harvey in the, in the first. That's a pretty good you, you can, see you, you later. Can, you, you, you can, can peace you, out on that you, one. You can say, I, I, I rest on that draft. I feel pretty good about it. Never underestimate the heart of a champion. But, that has to be said every time you say Rudy T. But, you know, and then Gavin Cicchini, who... Sits here at, at, at four. I don't, again, I'm, I think Ahmad Rosario is their shortstop of the future, but I think Gavin Giacchini could fit somewhere in the yeah. not-too-distant future. Absolutely, and they have Matt Reynolds as well. They have Luis Caprio, Carpio, I should say. They have uh, Milton Ramos. They do have – if there's a spot where you want to have – Luis Guillorme, who's just kind of that – Oh, yeah. I mean, that kind of – The most everyday is, player slash – South Atlantic League MVP ever. That was a weird one. <laughs> that was a weird one. I, I, you know, don't get as excited on that one yet. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, wait, that's a little, little, little much. But, uh, but no, Andres I mean, Jimenez as well, who they gave again, what, but the, two million. But to the last key year. thing about a lot of these guys, though, is is that the reason why they rank here is that you get past Matt's and all these guys. There are some questions. There are more questions than the guys that we were talking about. The teams that are higher up on this list. You said like Ahmed, Ahmed Rosario. Could he be a star? Yeah, but. There's a long way to go. And they did have some guys last year. I would say, fair, A, they didn't have a first-round pick last year. <laughs> the Michael Kadire signing. Um, ouch, yeah. ouch, ouch. But uh, second of all, they also had uh, Cicchini, 
Nimmo, Marcos Molina, all those were guys who, both those guys had taken a step forward or just kind of held their prospect status from 2014 to 2015. They probably rank a little bit higher as a farm system. They might be closer in our heads to 13, you know, like, but I think there is a definite, as we talked about, dividing line. And those guys kind of took a step back and are a little bit, I have a little less confidence in all those players. Now, we, we will talk about the Yankees first and then we'll get to the Indians. But when you look at the, when you look at the Yankees, you want to talk about Latin American program and it being vital to a uh, team. Yeah. That is a, an organization right now that they spent a lot of money in the not-too-distant past that a lot of those guys are still a long ways away. So with that, you kind of say, okay, there's still a little bit of let's see. Right. But this is, again, this is an organization that if you told me that they climbed up pretty significantly in the next year would not surprise me. Yeah, you know, that's because, and and they're going to kind of need those Latin American guys because in the next year or two, they're going to need that influx of their 2015 or 14 international signing class because I don't think that Gary Sanchez will be on this list next year. He's been on it since 2009. Aaron Judge is going to be close to breaking through by the end of this year. I feel like James Caprillion is another guy who's close to breaking through. Yeah. And, I mean, we did have the Yankees ranked higher when they still had Rookie Davis and Eric Jagailo. And who else did they trade the Reds? There was one other guy in there, wasn't there? Was it, it uh, the former national second baseman, Tony Renda? Tony Renda might have been the fourth guy. Yeah. I, there was, I think they, they gave up a, 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 several pieces. Um, like Rob Refsnyder is number eight on this list. I, he probably will not. Again, he's in that same Ryan Rayburn. Fit, but yeah. He's in that phylum of Ryan Rayburn, uh, the right-handed hitting utility guy. That's who he has to be. He has to be a second base, outfield, third base type of guy to get playing time in New York, I think. So um, I do think the Yankees have players who are close to contributing. Uh, Jacob Lindgren, another one. Um, but it's, I don't but see the guys as much are in, interesting as like Wilkerman. That's Garcia. right. Their, income, their impact guys are all, from their, for, with, for the most part, from their Latin American program outside of uh, Judge and Caprillion. For me, I, I, I like Tyler Wade. I like Dustin Fowler. I don't like those guys as impact players. I like those guys as, for me, their ceiling of those guys as like second division regulars or really good utility guys. Yeah, I, I do think, um, I, you know, this is a, a system that, again, it it, it needs the, those internationals, those young international guys to really. That's generally step. where the Yankees go. You know, usually they draft lower. So if you're looking for, you know, this year they got Caprillion, they got him what, 16th, and, 17th? And now they can't do what they could do before, which is... Which, <clears> they, did <throat> regu- which they did regularly do. Yeah. Spend they, a lot of money either. Right. On, uh, like draft guys, have guys fall. They didn't, they weren't very, they were not nearly they as aggressive. They were not the Tigers. As par- exactly. They were not nearly as aggressive in parlaying their financial advantage in the draft as the Red Sox were from 07 to 11. That was a very defined period. They did it the first year in 2007. And it was a colossal failure from Andrew Brackman to Tyler Grody to Carmen Angelini to everybody in between in that draft class. Bradley Suttle, none of them worked out. And I think the Yankees were a little snake bit after that, and they were very conservative. Um, and now they're in a draft system that constrains them to be conservative. So, but Cle- Cleveland, JJ, is the other team that we I, I still up think in. when we talk about the can- the can- the the canyon though drop. I look at this. I like this Indians list. We are still in organizations where I go. This is pretty good. Right. I'm right. not ready yet to say we've hit the point where you go, whoo, tumbleweeds you know, rolling through here. <laughs> right. We'll get there. Trust us. We'll get there. But Bradley Zimmer, Clint Frazier, Brady Aiken, Justice Sheffield, Bobby Bradley, Tyler Naquin, Mike I, Clevenger, who I, had a, you know, a revelation of a year last year. Those are all guys I like. 
Yeah, I mean, Tristan McKenzie and Rob, their whole top ten, uh, down to Juan Hillman, last week's podcast guest. Podcast guest. Not easy for me to say. Um, I like Even their Mark system. Mark Mathias at 13, who's a, I mean, if, you know, nice guy to get, you know, yeah. shoulder kind of screwed up his draft year. You get a little later, and then you, hey. I do. I, mean, I like their system all the way down to right about there. Yandy Diaz, I'm not on the Adam Plutko train, but uh, Ted Cahill is, so he loves, he loves change-ups. Adam Plutko's got a change-up. I don't. I don't know that every uh, you aren't going to pitch in very, very many major league ballparks that are like TD Ameritrade or like Lynchburg in the Carolina League like he thrived in last year. So I think he's going to have to take it up a notch stuff-wise. Um, but we're at 14. I think they have a lot of contributors there, J.J. I'm just not sure they have a star. You know, Brady Aiken, we don't know about his health. Clint Frazier, the swing and miss, is all Bobby there. Bradley, the, Bobby Bradley, the swing, swing and miss is there. Bradley Zimmer wasn't great in double-A. was good. Uh, wasn't great. Uh, it was very good in high A. He wasn't very good in Tyler double A. Tyler Lakewood might be a fourth outfielder. Mike Clevenger really kind of figured it out for the first time last year. I do uh, I do kind of like Mike Clevenger. I like how he ranked him. Rob Kaminsky, great numbers in the minor leagues. Pretty pedestrian fastball. You know, is this guy the next Rob Rasmussen? Like, to me, that's his best comp is Rob Rasmussen as a prospect who put up some really good numbers in low A. And the closer he got to the big leagues, the more his lack of fastball kind of got to him. There have been... A lot of Robbie Erlin is another example that Matt Eddy likes to bring up. Somewhat smallish left-hander with a command-oriented fastball and good off-speed stuff, but just didn't have enough fastball to get to it. If you want a bigger example, Brian Mattis. You know, this guy's a better breaking ball than Brian Mattis, but Brian Mattis' changeup was a seven changeup, but just didn't have enough fastball to stick as a big league starter. That's who Kaminsky, he feels like those guys to me. So that's why I think he's less impactful than his numbers might indicate. So that gets us to the A's. And this is a little bit, the, the A's restocked a little bit last year after selling off a lot. I, I hope mean, they did because they gave up the American League MVP. Yes, yes. That's a trade. It's funny, you know, on Twitter, I, I love Twitter, and I'm at JJCoop36. He's at John Manuel BA. JJ tweets more than me. so I love Twitter. And yeah. I, love I, that like there are, less. I love that there are A's fans who are still like, no, no, no. We can't evaluate this trade. Barreto hasn't reached there at all. And it's like, you don't, you can't win a trade where you trade a guy who's been putting up MVP numbers, who then goes and puts up MVP numbers and wins the MVP and is still under team control for multiple more years. I'm sorry you don't win that trade by getting back in starters. They're never going to win that trade. Franklin Barreto, who is number one on this list, and we like Franklin Barreto a lot. They're never going to win that trade. Uh, that's just a bad trade. B- Billy Bean's done a lot of great things in his career. That wasn't one of them. No. That's all there is. But, that's but this year they stocked back up. Shamanaya, you know, who they... Well, really, if you look at this list, Franklin Barreto at number one, who they acquired in the trade with the Blue Jays, which we just talked about. Shamanaya, number two, who they acquired in a trade, this you know, this past uh, season, the Royals trade, where they traded Ben Zobris. I'll also throw in here, JJ, that this system, if we redid the talent rankings again, it took a little bit of a hit when they made that trade with the Brewers with Jacob Nottingham and uh, yeah, that was and post. Bubba Derby. That was post our org talent rankings. Those guys were 11 and 12. Yeah, I'm not sure how much further down we would drop the Angel, the A's for losing players 11 and 12. Probably not too far behind. But I'd probably slap them behind but the Giants. Though. I think I might slap them behind the Giants and the Cubs yeah. because... I do like what the A's have at the top better than the Giants and the Cubs. I like Barreto's impact. I mean, I think the only reason he's behind uh, uh, Glaber Torres for me 
as there's less certainty about where he's going to play. He played shortstop in 2015. He played outfield in winter ball. We put him at second base on the depth chart, and you put him at third base. He could play somewhere, rankings. but it was probably not going to be shortstop. Right. So where he finishes playing is in question. But the batter's box, we have a long track record with Frank, Franklin Barreto dating back to his amateur days in Venezuela, and this guy's going to hit. And I like the impact of Shamanaya and Matt Chapman very quietly had a sneaky good year last year. I know he struck out a lot, but his whole question coming out of Florida was as if he going to hit for power. He hit for a ton of power last right. year. Right. We want to see a little bit. Some of that came in parts. Yeah. You say, okay, let's right. see you do it again. But that being said, there was never any question. No, there's never any question about the arm. I mean, right. Ever. Right. And there's never really been a question because of that about the defense. Absolutely. So, his floor is like a better version of Matt Dominguez for me. And I think that's a floor for him. His floor, his floor for me is is a right-handed power reliever. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's right. And that was there were scouts who were oh who, yeah that, they wanted him to do that. Like, it was at the '99 that summer with college national team. I think he threw one inning and he hit '99. I hope it didn't. I hope that wasn't when they had uh, the one inning that Alex Bregman caught that summer. <laughs> I hope they didn't put those two things together. But that would have been awesome. My head would have exploded to have seen that. But they have power in this organization. They have some pretty interesting high floor guys. But they have a lot of guys who really, when you ask it, a lot of swing misses. But also when you say power, a lot of these guys who have power, they have a lot of first basemen. Yes, they do have that too. I I think that their pitching depth is suspect. Manaya, then Casey Meisner. I'm not huge on the Dylan Overton train. I'm not big on Dylan Covey. I kind of like Dakota Chalmers. If it was on my list, I would have ranked them higher in our handbook handbook than Jim Schoner did. But I do think I like Oakland's bats. Um, That's why they rank. Where they rank, I'm, I like the Giants' bats, JJ. I, the Giants um, are, it's, when it's we weird. talk about a depth system, Yeah, the Giants have, I, I would put it this way, I, I think that they have, I always hesitate now to say this with the Giants, because then Matt Duffy's going to go out and hit better than Matt You Duffy. are haunted by the ghost of Matt I Duffy. Have, I, I'm ha- there's the, no there's way. a giant cat sitting over my head looking at me and going, you, you, you screwed up. And Nobody knew. Nobody could know about Matt Duffy. But the, but they not do even this, the Giants thought that. But, would they, be, but that the thing happen. is, is they do this year. I mean, it's not just Matt Duffy. It's Matt Duffy after Joe Panic after Brandon right. But Joe Panic was a first round. Right, no, I know. But what I'm saying though is, is that they are a team. I'm not beating myself up. They're anymore. good I'm at getting saying, a lot out of. Their they guys. get a lot out of guys. And when you look at this team right now, you look at this farm system. We already talked about Christian Oleo crazy enough. If you weren't here. If you jump to this part, Giants fans, yeah. jump back. When we were talking about the Reds at like two minutes in, we <laughs> talked Christian Arroyo. But once you get past that, and I don't know what to make of Tyler Beattie, who's been about three different pitchers already in his very young career. He's vexing. He kind of breaks our grade system. He should have been like a 75 double extreme because I have no idea what he could be. Because at his best, he has been, at his best, he's been a really hard throwing Starter at Vanderbilt, who was very good at times, at his who's SEC pitcher of the year as a sophomore. At his best, he has been a ground ball machine sinker baller with the Giants in high A. Yep. At and his in best, between, he's at, been at his best he pitched, at times. At his best, he's shown a sixty breaking ball like as a sophomore. At his <laughs> worst, he's shown a thirty breaking yes. ball. But, I mean, he's just he. Which Tyler B? If you looked at our top hundred and you said which guys should have been on there and weren't. In terms of background, the guys who should have been on there were all the two-time first-round picks who weren't on there, and two of them were Giants. One of them's now Philly and Mark Appel. But Tyler Beatty and Phil Bickford, these are two-time first-round picks. I don't think we know what to do with J.J., because what do we know about these guys? I, I, 
I don't know what Tyler Beatty's going to be yet. And, Tyler, and uh, Phil Bickford, why did he not sign two years ago? What was his health issue? What's the makeup like? I don't think people have a great read on his makeup. And third of all, what what off-speed pitch is this guy going to have as a, if he's a starter that's going to be an above-average off-speed pitch? It's a it's a dynamite fastball. Dynamite. Uh, he he would. He, I do think you put Phil Bickford with the ninja Dick Tidrow. If Dick Tidrow has anything left on his fastball, he's going to get the most out of this guy's fastball. So that's an intriguing combination. I thought that was a great pick. But but you get past that. I mean, and again, you There's don't you're not going to rank very high on a list because you have incredible bullpen close to the big league bullpen arms. Right. But. That's what the Giants have. The Giants have a whole lot of guys. Sam Coonrod, who could be a starter, like but he Sam probably, Coonrod. you know, most likely ends up being a uh, power reliever. Coonrod. Ray Black, you know, is definitely a guy who's, you know, he's definitely a reliever. He that doesn't do anything else. But, but if he's gonna, if you're going to have an old reliever, have one who throws 104. Yeah. You know, if you're going to rank a prospect reliever, have it be a guy who could be impacted. Ian like Gardeck is another Stephen Okert, you know, Derek Law, Jake Smith. They've got a lot of these guys. I mean, they really do. Again, that makes for depth. It makes for guys who can help them at the big league level and be very useful players. It doesn't make for a top 15 farm system, and so that's where they rank where they are. That's right. That's how I feel about those guys. And then the the Cubs are the other kind of controversial, I guess, ranking for us, JJ. I'll be honest with you. I thought they would have been higher. We had a lot of fans who were, you know, I thought they'd be higher than 20 uh, when it was all said and done in that meeting. But that said, they're like the opposite of the Reds. I just don't have faith in their pitching prospects, and I don't have a ton of faith in their pitching development, honestly. Um, so, like, Dwayne Underwood, Oscar De La Cruz, Dylan Cease. I really like Dylan Cease. I really like his arm. I like Dwayne Underwood okay. I do not see him as an impact guy, whether he throws 95, 96 or not. It's not a swing and miss fastball. I kind of it's not a swing and miss fastball. Period. I kind of see Dylan Cease in my own head as a future reliever. Oscar De La Cruz is probably the pitcher that I'm most excited about in their system. I think the big difference of opinion between us and the rest of the prospect ranking community about the Cubs would be the impact potential of Billy McKinney and Albert Almora. Basically, they're hitters. I don't think we're as high on their hitters as everybody else. What do you, okay. Is that fair? The way I put it this way, and I, I've kind of been a low man on Albert Almora. It's not, I've, nothing against him personally. I've enjoyed talking to him. He's a leader. He's great makeup, all that, from, from everything you know. When you talk to guys. But what but, is he? But when you say, what is he going to be? Again, that doesn't mean he may not be a very useful player for them. Yeah. But if he's useful for them, it's because, and it's not going to be anytime soon, because... They're stacked up in outfielders right now, about four deep, I feel like. Yeah, they are. You know, hey, Shane Victorino, you can hopefully be our fifth outfielder. Um, but but it is something where you say, okay, well, what's he going to be? And he, your best hope is, is he's a high average guy who the high average doesn't help you as much because he doesn't walk. Right. And, right. And without a whole lot of power. He never walks. As a pro, he never walks. Without a lot of power. Who, hasn't Hasn't found it yet. Career minor league slugging percentage is a 416. I mean, it's okay, not impact. And who is a exceptional defender for his lack of speed. He, he, he's very, you know, he, he is a way better defender at center. A solid, very solid, you know, to be, you could throw above average defender on him. But he doesn't run particularly well. Correct. There's not going to be that kind of impact in the game necessarily either. When he was drafted, to be the sixth overall pick like he was that year, you were banking on... A very high hit tool grade, and a guy who would move quickly. 
Well, he's had injuries, so he hasn't moved quickly. One other thing that, you know, I... I've talked about this in the podcast before. He hits into a lot of double plays. Mm-hmm. One is because he's not that fast. And two is because he does hit the ball hard, but he hits the ball on the ground a lot. Just doesn't have a lot of loft in his swing. I don't think he's ever going to hit a lot of home runs, JJ. So I like him. I've made the Aaron Rowan comp on him as far as like a best-case scenario. What kind of player can he be? But even that comp, I don't think he's going to hit 30 home runs in a year like Aaron Rowan did one time. I think he's just... He's a grinder, leader, winning kind of player, and he really does long-term fit the Cubs very well. In a couple of years, if he gets the, the big leagues, Dexter Fowler's contract has run out. Maybe the De- National League has the DH, so Swarbrick goes a DH. I could see Almora in center, Solaire in left, Hayward in right. I could see that happening. Um, but I don't see him as a star. And in that Cubs firmament, and in any team, I see him as a six-hole hitter at best. And this whole team is an impact guy. And I see the same thing for Billy McKinney. Six-hole hitter at best. And I just don't see it. He's got the hit tool. The other tools, a little fringy. I just don't see impact the, with Billy the guys, McKinney. Before we move on from the Cubs, the guys who I think are the guys to keep a watch on is, is Brian Hudson, DJ yeah. Wilson. Yep, absolutely. Two guys from last year's draft who could rank significantly higher than that this, next year. The other guy I'll throw in there, if I had to do this draft, this top ten over again, I'd flip Jamer Candelario and uh, Mark Zagunas. I think Mark Zagunas is a little sneaky. Uh, can play center field at a pinch. Pretty good athlete, good hitter, draws a lot of walks. I think, again, the athleticism is pretty good for him. I think I dinged him a little too much for moving off catcher to an outfield spot. I think he might hit enough to be a, a, a regular in the outfield. I, I kind of like him. Now we move on to, and I pause to say this because I'm still processing. Oh, your pro- World Series champions, Kansas City Royals. Shouldn't be that hard. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, it, I'm still. You, we, I've been writing Royals top thirties from you know when that seemed in, the impossible dream for Royals. Right. Fans, so right. Um, and I think the way we put it with this is is that this is a system that is the thinnest it's been in a long, long time. And that's understandable. Uh, the way I put it at least twice on either podcast or radio shows or whatever is, is they took a hit because they traded for Johnny Cueto and Ben Zobris last year. That really thinned out some of their farm, their better prospects. Cody Reed would look great in the system. Shaman and I would look great in the system. But you know what? They'll take that trade absolutely every time. And if that means that they win 60 games, which I don't think it will, but if that means they win 60 games in 2019... I think that the Royals fans, as they wear and keep showing them on the DVR, all those World Series games, they'll say, yep, okay. As long as it doesn't take them 30 years in between the next one, yeah. I think. The thing is, they do have some interesting pieces. And if just if Kyle Zimmer were just healthy, I think we'd think of this system I, a lot And I'm, I'm the one who, I am maybe overly optimistic, but I still think that, I still think it is not impossible that in 2016 or 2017, one of those years, he's going to have, one of these years, He's got a season where you go, you know, hey, that's the Kyle Zimmer that we've been waiting for. You know, the thing is, they have impact talent. They just don't have impact talent that performed in 2015. Raul Mondesi, we think, is an impact talent. He just hasn't hit in the minor leagues. Kyle Zimmer has an impact arm, just can't stay healthy. Bubba Starling, impact athlete. Might might wind up a Drew Stubbs kind of guy. Who knows? I kind of like that as a, you know, a potential... he might wind up Jeff Francoeur, which is the negative, which would be the worst case scenario in some ways. Um, Miguel Almonte, last year's two high school draft picks, Watson and uh, Ash Russell. 
There's impact Martin in this Gasparini system. Gasparini is yeah. a very high. I mean, he's very a very high twitch athlete. Absolutely. Hey, Foster Griffin. I, I like Ryan O'Hearn. It's kind of like a sleeper. He's got guy's power. got power. I mean, so there's impact there. It's just not impact that's done it at high levels. That's what gets you into the top ten. Okay, then you get to the Diamondbacks, who the we're, Diamond... they were six last year, and they had the number one pick. JJ, they should be higher. They've but they chosen don't have not those to. number one picks. They don't those have... number one picks are not. You know, they look around in spring training. They're looking around, going, "Where, where's Dansby? Uh, I don't see Dansby. Where, where's Tukey? I, I don't see Tukey." And they're on the other side of the country. They're in, over right. in Florida, you know. They're, 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 they have evacuated their minor league talent uh, by choice to help the I major mean, let, league again, team. Again, this is the way this sums it up. Here are your top picks of the direct decade. Yep, you beat me to it. 2010, Garrett Lau. Never, you know, okay, that's so he never even Ow, saw. my liver. 2011, Trevor Bauer. He was there for he a gone. moment. He was a minute, there a minute and a half. 2012, striker Trahan, who... Has just been, a, frankly, he's a bust, yeah. period. Just a, just a bust. 2013, Brayden Shipley. Okay. Now you're number one prospect, number one prospect. coming off a pretty below-par year in Double uh, A, where just scouts were very up, nonplussed by him. Ticked up a little bit at the end, but yeah. Tukey Toussaint 2014, the less that is said about that Tukey Toussaint trade, the, the better for the Diamondbacks. Because, again, uh, you know, yeah. The less said. This was not yet. And then twenty fifteen, no Dansby Swanson, which uh, that trade for 2015, 2016 may work out well for them because Shelby Miller is a solid pitcher. In the long term, if you're the Braves, they called up again today and said, "Can you do that trade?" They'd do it. If you called up next year and said, "Would you do that trade?" Yeah. They'll say they. That do could it. be a disastrous trade because Ender Yarde is a pretty good player, and Aaron Blair is a good pitching prospect. That and Dansby Swanson is. And Dansby Swanson is the number one pick in the draft. I mean, that could be a disastrous trade. So uh, you take all that out, yeah. and I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's thinned out the system a little bit. They, they do still have some guys like, you know, again, uh, Bill Mitchell wrote the Diamondbacks, does a great job, has super prospect enthusiasm. I would rank Domingo Leyba higher on their list. I would have ranked Taylor Clark higher on their list out of College of Charleston. I could not convince Bill to rank Taylor Clark. I like Taylor Clark over Peter O'Brien. I just couldn't convinced Bill, and he wrote it. Uh, I even like Anthony Banda over those guys. I like Zach Godley at 18. I think Zach Godley's going to play a role for them. If they're good in the big leagues in 2016, JJ, I think Zach Godley's going to pitch important innings for them. So, uh, there's I still do, some I do, pieces, but there's just not... But the, their depth is gone, and their impact... I mean, we haven't mentioned Archie Bradley, and what's happened to this guy the last two years. I mean, the 2011 high school pitching class was a really strong class. He got to the big leagues very quickly. At this time last year, I think if he didn't, or two years ago, if he didn't count Masahiro Tanaka, he was our top-ranked pitching prospect in the minor leagues. And that wasn't us on a limb. It's and just he just went backwards, and it's a shame. I hate, yeah, I just hate to see that. That gets us to the White Sox. Which... And, and, and by the way, the real quick answer on why is he had that wandering release point. He just totally lost his release point. That video you showed us a couple of years ago. I remember watching a last start of the season in 2014 and it was like it was it, it was ugly it was frightening he was totally lost of where to release the ball next it was a wandering release point he had no idea how to stay on top of a breaking ball and that inconsistency led to a breakdown of everything else it was really it was difficult to watch that video but the the good guys you know the good guys are another organization that we could have dropped cuz they traded three top 10 teams 
But this is like no, another but part the, of the uh, chasm. No, the trade, no, the trade already, already reflected in there. Okay, it was reflected. The, yeah. the, the, there was there was still a pretty big chasm between them and the Blue Jays. <laughs> the Blue Jays are twenty four because the Blue Jays. I haven't gone back to count this up yet. Um, from past handbooks, the Blue Jays have seventeen extremes out of their top thirty. Oh, it's the it's, it's got to be the record. So it's the, extremey. But you look at the White Sox, and obviously it starts with. The top two guys. I mean, yeah. Tim Anderson, Carson Fulmer. That's why they're still ahead of... Right, because Tim Anderson Bridges. is a close to the big leagues shortstop or at least something of a, you know... Up the middle player. Second base, the, shortstop, center field. One of the three. And Carson Fulmer is a guy who could move quickly. Whether it's going to start or relieve will still to be determined. And hey, I it still is believe, the White Sox. I still believe it's Spencer Adams, too. I'm a bit, I know he had a, just a modest first full season. You hope to see the velo tick back up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I believe in the athlete. I believe in the stuff, that, that the stuff will come back. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Spencer Adams guy. You know, but I do think overall, you know, these are where you're getting to the systems that they're thinner. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you just hit it. The Blue Jays, the Blue Jays system is massively thinner, and there's a good reason for that, which is, is when we talk about the I mean, they went all in. They broke the piggy bank. They took everything out of that, and they broke their other piggy bank. They took everything out of that, and they moved on down the line until they ran out of and, pities. And and the reality is, is that hey, you, you understand why they did. They were back in the playoffs for the first time in, I wouldn't say forever because hey, I remember those World Series, but twenty two years. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast who do not remember them being in the playoffs. I will. I wanted to throw in. I like pick. I've been picking kind of like a deep sleeper in all these organizations. I kind of like Eddie Alvarez in the White Sox system. What a great story! Speed skater to oh, yeah. to minor league ball player. I'm watching him in Winston Salem. I know he's 26, but he does sound like he has tools. He has a good reason to be 26 years old and and in low A. Does sound like he has tools. Does sound like he has some bat to ball skills. JJ. The good you news know? for you, you know, on the Blue Jays is is you have a lot of choices for uh, sleeper picks because you there's do. a lot of guys who like stat lines end in GCL, DSL, and and TJ. There's yeah. an awful lot of that. Uh, Ryan Barucki is kind of, and Tom Robson, those are t- kind of the two deep sleepers, the left-hander, Barucki, a little more athletic than Robson, uh, both coming off Tommy John surgery, both guys that uh, the Clint bought, Clint Longenecker loved before uh, he left us when he was doing Blue Jays lists. Uh, but that system really is, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how they treat the draft in the post-Anthopolis era. It sounds like Tony LaCava is much more influential on the draft now. Uh, for this new Blue Jays organization, Brian Parker still the scouting director, but uh, going to be a different approach if they take the Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, Cleveland approach. Uh, it's going to be a much more conservative draft approach than what the Blue Jays are used to. So I felt their aggressive draft approach had served them well and gave them the assets that they trade used to trade. Um, but that said, JJ, Alex Anthopoulos is no longer their general manager. So I think things are going to get a little bit more conservative in Toronto on the draft front and on the international front as well. Now we hit the, okay. Now we're starting to get to crap town. <laughs> so Padres, 25. The Padres list is helped massively, massively by the Craig Kimball trade. I mean, we were really struggling for who their number one prospect was going to be. And, and then it was like, hey, we got two guys who we have to struggle because either one of these guys could be number one. We had a really hard time deciding between Guerra and Margot. Either one. I mean, that, those That's guys right. are so... It's one and one A. There's so little difference there as far as... They're different players, but there's so little difference as far as... If you like Margot better than Guerra, you're not going to get a giant argument for us. Right. It's, it's small. It's a very small difference. Before, if it had not been that, Hunter Renfro or Rudy Hirong would have been number one. And neither one of those would have been a uh, 
No. A lesser number one. Would have definitely been uh, Hunter <laughs> Renfro, but uh, whew. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't I have mean, to decide. Three of their win. top eight prospects are guys they got in that one trade. And you get to, you know, Jacob Nix at 11, which, hey, you know, this is a good arm. He did have the thing last year, and he's a still number bit. 11. He yeah. hopefully came back. It looks like he came back from it. But Carlos Suahe, I love a Suahe, but he's 13. He's a utility guy. Yeah, I mean, he's basically like a better fielding version of Jan Jervis Salarte. Uh, he, he's in the same kind of player, to put it in Padres' terms. It's just, you know, all you have to say is this is an organization that historically, and here's their top draft picks of the decade, Trey Turner traded prematurely, Hunter Renfro, Max Freed injured, traded, uh, Corey Spangenberg, okay, but not a lot of impact, Carson Whitson, ow, my liver. Uh, Donovan Tate, <laughs> yikes. Alan Dykstra, Nick Schmidt, Matt Antonelli, and you can go yeah, before that. It just historically. I was going to say that, we didn't even mention the words. Didn't Matt even mention Bush. Didn't mention 2005 was Carl, Cesar Carrillo. Uh, 2003 was Tim Stauffer. He's the best of that group. From 2000 to 2009, that organization's first round picks were very poor. And historically, the Padres, as an organization, they've probably gotten less out of the first pick of their first pick than any other any other organization. And here's the it thing: we've got four, five teams worse still, still talk about. That gets you the Tigers, who, Ooh. much like the A's, the Tigers' approach in recent years has been: these are useful pieces. We trade these things in the farm system, these players, yeah. and they give us big leaguers. And they this treat, year they, they did swap it, you know. And I hey. The Tigers were the team, you know, they were the best team in the AL Central for quite a while there. So I understand. I'm not even knocking the approach. Right. They were able to restock a little bit this past year because, for once, they were not in it. I'll also give them credit. They did graduate James McCann, who I think we were, I don't know if we were always light on, but he had a decent rookie year as a catcher. It's hard to be a rookie catcher. He was number six the year before. Um, Yeah, they graduated three or four guys in their top ten. And traded Hernan Perez. So McCann, Tyler Collins, Bruce Rondon, all gone. Um, this is also an organization, JJ, one of the reasons why Ben Badler does their top 30 every year is they're very active in Venezuela. They're an organization that has been fantastic in Latin America, but really, specifically Venezuela. And uh, that's really one of the things that's kept their farm system afloat over these years. The, uh, the, the prospects they've had, like Domingo Label we talked about, have they traded to the Diamondbacks or like uh, um, Willie Adames? Mm-hmm. They traded to Tampa to get uh, in, in the David Price deal. Those Latin American assets that they keep coming up with has been integral to their success. So, But that um, being said, they're, Michael they're, Fulmer, who they acquired last year, number one. Right. Bo Burrows, who they draft in the first round. Okay, that's fine. At number two, you would like a, your first round, late for, later first round pick to be high, lower than two. But yeah. After that, I mean, Mike Gerber's three, and he's a bat, but that's a that's a surprising three. Fifteenth round pick. I mean, it's a good college <laughs> senior draft. We liked that draft at the time. I thought it was a good senior pick. Had a really nice year in the Midwest League last year. Was there all year because that's kind of how the Tigers do things. It went to the fall league. I wouldn't wouldn't be shocked at all if he jumped to Double A this year. But Jacoby but, Jones, who's got a, a drug suspension, a fifty day drug suspension. I kind of like Jacoby Jones more than most, but I mean. Um, but there's still a lot of risk there. So much swing and miss. Kristen Stewart, same thing. 
the only deep sleeper I kind of like there is Wynton Bernard just because of the story. Another Pir- a Padres draft pick, JJ. Uh, what was it, 35th round? And the Padres released him. Two years later, he's like on the 40-man roster, and he has a Midwest League MVP under his belt. I still think he's a fourth or fifth outfielder, but it's just not a system with a lot of options. But they are very good at identifying enough assets for trades. And the other thing is when they traded Price last year, JJ, they traded him for guys like Matt Boyd and, of course, who are, Norris, yeah. who weren't eligible for the list. Right, and would make this list look a lot better. Absolutely. That gets you to the Orioles, and you talk about Al. Now I mean, that's the thing, the story of the Orioles. Look at the Fallow Four, JJ. This is how Matt Eddy termed it in an article. These four organizations that had no one in our top third in our top one hundred. Now at least ever. the Orioles. At least the Orioles had three guys yeah. who we at in least consideration considered. Chance Cisco, who's number three on this list, we consider because he is a catcher who can hit. Can he catch? We don't know so much on that yet, but right. he can hit. In fact, signs point to no in my magic eight ball. <coughs> Dylan Bundy, number one, Hunter Harvey, number two are two guys who, when they've been healthy, they've been really good. Yeah. In the case of Hunter Harvey, you can the concerns are is that this is a very slight pitcher who has had trouble staying healthy. You know, he, he was on the mound today as we record this on Thursday, and he was pumping 96, so, hey, there's some hope there. Dylan Bundy, there's a little bit more concern because the, you have to go back a long, long time now to remember Dylan Bundy being healthy and pitching. I would say that I still think that Bundy's best, the reason that he's number one is that Bundy at his best oh, it's is better than Harvey it's, it's at his not, best. Dylan Bundy at his best was considered literally one of the best high school pitching prospects yeah, ever. In a dec- of, of I, at least a decade. And I don't see Bundy being at his best in 2016. I don't know that he'll ever be at his best. But he had a wild, he could still give up some stuff and still be an effective pitcher. Best case scenario for me for Dylan Bundy in 2016 is they have him on the big league roster, and between the disabled list and some long relief stints, he pitches maybe 60 innings in the major leagues this year. Maybe he makes a couple spot starts in September if they're out of it, or he's good enough to earn a couple spot starts late in the year. I think that for him to get more than 60, 70 innings would be a miracle this year. Oh. He's out of options, so it's a, it it's would be a injury bad, rehab. It's, it's a bad know. scene. It's a bad scene, man. I mean, Hunter Harvey hasn't pitched above low Class A. What can you get out of Hunter Harvey this year? 80 innings, I mean, I, 100 innings max in high A this year? Maybe? Mm-hmm. At your at his best? I mean, or at his worst case scenario is he hasn't had surgery yet. Worst case scenario is he has Tommy John surgery. I mean, that's why he's two. But Harvey, at least with Dylan Bundy, we will have... <laughs> we will we will be, it'll be we done will this year. Sort of we'll answer. know. He's either going to... We'll finally have figured it out. Chancisco, again, big question. Again, for me, Chancisco is the guy who I think in our organ, in our office consensus, JJ, had the most votes of any Oriole for the top 100 because of the bat. But I think we all have grave concerns about where he plays. And if he doesn't catch, where's the power, i.e. where he has to move to a corner spot like a left field or a first base. And if he does that, where's the impact? Maybe third base, I suppose. So who's a high school shortstop? So who's your sleeper guy here? Uh, well, I do, I do like Michael Givens as a 2016 rookie. Yeah, and, but you can't have that. Well, their sleepers, Dave, the, the sleeper is David Hess at 18, who really finished last year very well in Double A. Um, I don't love David Hess. I don't love the walk rate, but um, but I'm interested in David Hess. But it was 60 walks last year, 57 walks in 144 innings. So. But he's got one of the better arms. He's down at 18. He's kind of the sleeper there. 
So that gets us to the Mariners. And Ooh. we all had a it took a village to do the Mariners top thirty this year. But the Mariners had a very productive debuts from the twenty fifteen draft. And that's good news because yeah. besides that, they didn't have anyone have productive. Kendall Marte made it to the big leagues. Yeah, otherwise, like Alex Jackson, who was considered consensus, it was not controversial. Consensus best high school bat in the twenty fourteen draft class. Yeah. And he was bad. He was Oof. he was bad. DJ Peterson. There were Oof. concerns with DJ Peterson, how much Oof. impact, and he's only I know he plays third, but he's really a first baseman. If this were number thirty, since we were at the end of the podcast, I'd go, no, to the opposite year, yay, when we started. But DJ Peterson had a terrible year. Austin Wilson, Gareth Morgan, again, as I oh. said earlier in the podcast, the oh. less said the better. Yeah. And Tyler O'Neill had a lot of homers last year in the Cal League, but he also struck out a ton. I mean, but that's one of the the bright spots. You, Edwin Diaz could be, uh, you know, if you he could be a three four. You hope. Yeah, you hope he could be a four. Drew starter. Jackson. That's the story. That's the hope. Is Drew Jackson, who was a, a fifth round pick, that was a very nice pick by them. He got contacts last year. He started actually being able to see the ball, and it's amazing how being able to see the ball does make a big difference in your ability to hit. Trying to keep things simple, and you want to just see it and hit it. Part one is see it. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, um, but, but this is a system, JJ, that just, you just it's Jamari amazing. Jamari Blash was number 11 on this list. They lost in the Rule 5. It's amazing how little progress anyone in their system made last year other than Kettle Marte. I mean, like, who else had a good year? Tyler O'Neill, I guess, had a good year. But, I mean, it's a more remarkable how most guys either were hurt or went backwards. Beep, beep, beep. I mean, like, they're, they're, it really does seem like they're pick-the-click sleeper. Is probably I, I like Kyle Wilcox, the kid out of Bryant, uh, but that's another. It's almost cheating to take a draft guy for them, you know. Um, <laughs> there's just not a lot of sleepers there. And, and, and you pretty, see what Jerry Depoto has done after he got there is is he's trading off every. Oh, oh you yeah. want this guy? Fine, you yes. know, fine, fine. It's I'm not giving up much. We've still got two more. Yes, the Mariners are a typical profile of a number thirty farm system, and yet. They are not number 30. And it wasn't, not by a long shot. No, they were, they were not in consideration. They weren't. The no. Marlins were at least in slight, and I had to say slight consideration. Why are the Marlins not 30? Well, Josh Naylor, who's number two on this list by himself, would probably keep them out of 30. Because yes. you'd rather have Josh Naylor than anyone in the Angels system. Tyler Kolek, okay, if you're charitable, let's just call last year a mulligan. Yes. Adjusting to pro ball. And that was a rough adjustment. It I mean, was, got to see him a lot, you know, thankfully, because they're in Greensboro. They're right down the street from us. If you are being negative, I'm, I'm kind of an optimistic guy. You are an optimist. You if, like players. If you're focusing on the negative, there were, at the worst, there were appearances where Tyler Kolek would go out there. Tyler Kolek, Mr. Hmm. 100 miles an hour in high school. Not One year later, uh, having trouble adjusting to the five, you know, every fifth day schedule, and you would, if you were behind the home plate, you put your radar gun. It's like, wait, did I just get eighty nine there? Exactly. And you're going, was that a changeup? And then you realize, no, that was his fastball. Now again, thankfully, that was not. He did not sit eighty nine last year. I right. don't want anyone to think that hearing this, but he sat a lot of times low nineties. And every now and then you'd see that ninety six, ninety seven. Every now and then, in fewer of those, if they gave him extra rest, you saw the same. Velo. So it was in there. But it, so wasn't it was like not like he was hurt. hurt. But 
He just But he also did not show a breaking ball that looks right promising right now. Right, and no feel for a changeup yet. And then other was, than that though, it was It was great. He competed. I mean he really hey, he did took compete. the ball twenty five times. He competed. I mean he got beat up a little bit and he didn't go into a shell, he just kept going. But that's the number one prospect we're talking about. And then the reality of it is is that you get past those top two and Yikes. If Yikes. you said if I gave you an over under on of the rest of the top thirty, I say two over under guys who end up having who are big league regulars in a significant role. You take the under. Yeah. I think I I'm would. not counting utility infielders. I'm not talking sixth and seventh inning relievers. No, you said regulars who in a significant role. I'll, I'll give you I mean so what I mean by that is is they're a one through five starter, not a six, but a one through five starter. An everyday, you know, a regular starter position player, or like a setup man or closer. I'm taking the under. Okay, let's move on. That moves us to the Angels, and now I'm going to give you the over under on the entire Angels top thirty. Marlon Sleeper, Jacob Esch, love them. Love love them since he was at uh, Georgia Tech. Just want to see him do it a little bit more. Okay, Angels over under. My over under is two again. I'm giving you the entire top 30. I'm not taking away number one and number two this time. Entire top 30, two guys who are everyday regulars of, a, of or as a pitcher, a significant role. Under. Under. I'll give you Jemai Jones and maybe Taylor Ward for a push. But under. And I kind of like Brendan Sanger at 15. I kind of like Joe Gatto at 7. I get it with Nate Smith. You tell me Nate Smith. If Nate Smith had one Matt Shoemaker 2014 year, okay. The problem is, is that then the Matt Shoemaker but then repeat 2015 it. year. But then repeat in. it. I mean, it's, it this, is the, this might be the worst farm system ever. Not only ever, because Prospect Handbook era. I don't know what the Kansas City A's look like. Prospect Handbook era. In the Prospect Handbook era... Um, the way to put, don't you have a spreadsheet that had like war by farm system through twenty oh, thirteen? I can try to find you one that yeah is. Uh, and there, but there were there were very few teams that had produced nothing. Very very few. This one might may produce nothing. I, I hope Taylor Ward has like a John Manuel Bingo like. Uh, you know, I I critiqued the pick on the draft show. I I did not. I can't believe he's our number one prospect for them because. I don't have faith in his hit tool. Um, I haven't talked to a scout who does. But he can throw. He's got a chance to catch and throw. He's fairly athletic for a catcher. He just sounds like a backup to me, JJ. He sounds like a backup catcher. Jemai Jones has a higher ceiling as reflected. It's a 55 extreme versus a 50 high. Jemai Jones is your one guy in the whole organization. But that's the 2015 with a 55. Yeah. That I mean, that's, should that's, not be your highest ceiling guy. It's a, literally, I mean, to put it this way, I feel I just feel bad. Guy, he's the only guy we have on this Angels list that we grade as being above a fifty, which a fifty. And again, most of the fifties, there's no one who's on a fifty on this list who's not a high risk. Right, that's the other part of it. Yes, the fifty highs. The way we always put it with it, if you have your prospect handbook, fifty highs are the common cur- currency. Of, pro- of farm systems. Yes. Every team has 50 highs. I will give the, I'll give them credit. I don't know how much Jeffrey Marte will help. 
their big league team. But think about the fact that they have Caleb Cowart, they have Kyle Kubica, who they traded Ricardo Sanchez for, who would be their number one prospect. Mm-hmm. You know, that has to be one that people in their organization just have pain over. It's not like they haven't found some prospects because right, I mean, yeah, they've say, found some guys. When we say, how did they get here? Well, how did they get here is, is that they've made trades. They are in a very much a... I mean, Sean Newcomb would be yeah. an excellent number one. Hey, Chris Ellis isn't awesome, but he'd be fine as your number two. They have drafted okay. Rick Wilson hasn't done a bad job as their scouting director. But he's been handcuffed. They have not had always had a first round pick. Not always had big bonus pools. Newcomb was a good get. 2012, they didn't have a pick to the third round. Yeah. You're okay. going to have trouble getting much out of a, as you said, you're, are, you're right up on it. It's like basically it was Michael Roth and Mike Morin. That's Ooh. your. And hey, Mike Morin to the big leagues and an active, I mean, Michael Roth too, but Mike Morin is you know, a solid sixth, seventh inning two, guy. 2013, they didn't pick until late in the second round. But that draft, I mean, I know they got Nate Smith and maybe he'll get. To the big leagues, but Hunter Green, yikes in a way. Hunter Green, who is who has in 2013 second rounder, who has 17 pro innings. That's not a good combo. No. But that, again, I mean, this is a when you don't have a lot of picks, you don't have extra picks, and you don't have big bonus pools, and your draft often comes down to like those guys at the top, and and when you beyond miss, that, the thing about it is, is and I don't even fault them for this, but do remember two years ago. The Angels had a terrible bullpen. And so what they did is yeah. really, the, the equivalent of it is, is that you are trying to figure out a way to keep your house. Right. And so you basically rip up everything that you can sell. I, they did were very creative. Everything must go. To find a way to trade for Houston Street. Right. They fixed their bullpen. Right. It cost them. And they won 98 games of the big leagues as a result. And they also got Trevor Gott in that deal, right? Jose Rondon, by the way, who we talked about on the Padres list, who's not a great prospect, but Jose Rondon would look great on this list. Yes, no doubt. You know, so they have found some talent again, and not then, a ton, but they have found and some. And again, it's not Sean Newcomb as good a prospect as he is. Their team is trying to win now. Anderson Simmons helps them win now. You make that trade because yeah, you just know crazy, at some point the reckoning is going to come. The crazy thing about the Marlins and the Angels at twenty nine and thirty is both have both originally signed top hundred talent. They just gave it away. And at least the Angels got Anderson Simmons for Sean Newcomb. The Marlins just threw <laughs> Francis Martez into this already bad trade with the uh, Astros. And woof. Wait, let me ask you this. That would be a good way to end it. Like the Jared Cozart trade. If you said, I can take any, you know, I think you could take any one piece out of that. You could take, uh, if it had been Colin Moran and a compensatory pick, for Jared Cozart, you said, ah, "Okay, I can maybe." And then, but then you throw Francis Martez, and oh, by the way, we're not even talking about uh, uh, Kiki Hernandez either, right? Oh, I know who the Marlins because kind of like I remember the last year he they was like, that, but that was like they just didn't they didn't want him, him their, off. they didn't want him in their top thirty. Don't forget that one. He was a guy who I was trying to figure out where to rank in the top thirty, and our Marlins guys were like, "Nah, we don't have to rank him." But, um, so, but that's the way to... Yeah, Moran, Marisnik, supplemental first-round pick for Cozart, Kike Hernandez, and Austin Waits. Austin Waits already released. Kike, Kike Hernandez, Hernandez sent the boot. All they have left for that is Jared Cozart. That's, that's, that's epically gonna bad. Uh, by the way, do remember the compensatory pick also insured. That's why the Astros have Daz Cameron, Cameron and 
you know, to go with Kyle Tucker. So that's how you end up at 29, and that's how the Angels end up at 30. And that's a good way to end the podcast, to wrap up this podcast. I want to thank SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. I want to thank J.J. Cooper for his time, J.J. Coop 36 on Twitter. I'm at John Manuel B.A. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.